This podcast is a production of the Community Covenant Church in Eagle River, Alaska, a place where real people meet a real God to live in a real world. For more information, visit our website at www.communitycovenant.net. So this is second, yeah, second Chronicles 33, beginning in verse 9. It says, But Manasseh led Judah and the people of Jerusalem astray, so that, they did not, so that they did more evil than the nations the Lord had destroyed before the Israelites. The Lord spoke to Manasseh and his people. The Lord brought against them the army commanders of the king of Assyria, who took Manasseh prisoner, put a hook in his nose, bound him with bronze shackles, and shook him took him to to Babylon. In his distress, he sought the favor of the Lord, his God, and humbled himself greatly before the God of his ancestors. And when he prayed to him, the Lord was moved by his entreaty and listened to his plea. So he brought him back to Jerusalem and to his kingdom. Then Manasseh knew that the Lord is God. Good morning. Nice chipper story. Um, we're, we're continuing in the series of uh, the rest of the story. Is that what it's called? Yeah, the rest of the story. And really, uh, when I was thinking about some of the hidden gems of Scripture, um, one of them is the story of some of the kings in Judah. Uh, we have Hezekiah, and then his son was Manasseh. Manasseh was maybe one of the worst kings Judah ever had. And then his son reigned for just a short time. And then after that, his grandson Josiah uh, reigned in in Jerusalem for 31 years. So we're going to take a peek at this story. And it's really a story about kings and expectations. I have, uh, I've had some expectations for cars I've bought recently. Um, Spent a little bit more than I might normally. I'm a cheapskate when it comes to cars and some of the youth remind me of that sometimes, but um, we had a Toyota Sienna, and I thought, man, Toyotas, you know, great, great reputation, and the transmission failed last fall, and I sold it for about 300 bucks, and then just this last weekend, we had a Honda Pilot transmission go out. Honda, come on! So maybe you have a good horse that I might be able to borrow, or um, actually, uh, Corey and I, we're, we're looking to Maybe it's time to get an actual commuter car for me. So we'll see. But expectations are a lot about what people, how we experience things. And kings in particular had high expectations. They were to lead God's people. And often scripture points out that to be a king was you were to love what is good and do what is right. Uh, and so the expectation for a king would be that they would love what is good. They would love God's ways and they would do what is right no matter what. Now we get Manasseh and it said that he led the people into more evil than the countries that the Lord drove out from the Jerusalem area. And what's really hard about that is he followed one of the best kings. His dad, Hezekiah, was incredible of renewing things into God's ways And we get this guy, Manasseh, who led them into deep, deep evil. So part of what he did, um, if you want, I'd encourage you to read the story for yourself. 
So he was 12 years old when he became king, and he reigned 55 years in Jerusalem. That was a long time for a king. And unfortunately, most of it was pretty rough. And because of him, trouble was coming for Judah. Uh, God said, enough's enough, actually, after Manasseh. Trouble's coming your way. And so uh, he rebuilt the high places which Hezekiah, his father, had broken down. And then he erected altars for worship uh, all over the place, all kinds of things, anything but God. Uh, Then he put a carved image of an idol which he had made in the house of God. And so, man, I I couldn't even think of a good example, but it would be like maybe putting a, uh, I won't even say, I, I can't think of a good enough example this is meant to be set apart for God's name and his goodness. The, the temple, God says, my name is going to dwell here forever. I want this to represent me. I want you to represent me. Part of being Judah was to represent who God was. And so what Manasseh did is he took something, a carved item, and says, all right, this is, this is better than you. And, and their hearts were just far from God. Then it also, it talks about he filled the land with innocent blood. Rumor has it that the prophet Isaiah perished at the hands of Manasseh. So there was just a lot of wicked stuff that had happened. Uh, Manasseh was a real low point. So he misled Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, Jerusalem to do more evil than the nations whom the Lord had destroyed before the sons of Israel. The Lord spoke to Manasseh and his people, but they paid no attention. So Isaiah was a part of that voice, this prophetic call. Return, return, return. And, and it said, there, but they paid no attention. Therefore the Lord brought the commanders of the army of the king of Assyria against them. They captured Manasseh with hooks, bound him with bronze chains, and took him to Babylon. When he was in distress... He entreated the Lord, his God, and humbled himself greatly before the God of his fathers. So this is really about responsiveness. I, I've been a wilderness first responder for about, I don't know, eight years. We learned about when people are, how alert they are. Uh, are they alert and oriented? You know, there's a scale there. They could, they could be alert and oriented in maybe just one area, and that's not very good. <laughs> But maybe they're not alert at all, and they only respond to verbal stimulus. You could, hey, hey, Mike, wake up, wake up, and then someone wakes up their eyes. Or you, you rub their chest or pinch them real hard, and, and then someone responds through pain. So that's getting pretty bad. People, well, here, Manasseh got a good dose of pain, and thankfully he was responsive to what God, God was trying to get his attention, and pain worked. Um... And the the good part that I want to highlight here is that he humbled himself greatly before the God of his fathers. When he prayed to him, he was moved by his entreaty and heard his supplication and brought him again to Jerusalem, to his kingdom. Then then Manasseh knew that the Lord was God. So I think this is a huge turning point in his story. Unfortunately, it was near the end of his story. But we see... That his son, Amon, was 22 years old when he became king, and he reigned two years in Jerusalem. He did evil. He multiplied the guilt. So Amon followed right after his dad. 
Manasseh, and he did not last very long, two years. And then we get to Josiah. He was eight years old when he became king. He was six when his grandfather died. So part of the rest of the story for me is I wonder what impact a grandfather's repentance had on a grandson and a future king. One who had led for 55 years or total, but who knows how many of that was far away from God. And then he returns to God, and we see the beginning of one of the best kings Judah ever had. In fact, in Second uh, Kings, it says, Neither before nor after Josiah was there a king like him who followed the Lord with all his heart. So from Manasseh and his repentance, we see Josiah come. Josiah did what was right in the sight of the Lord and walked in the ways of his father David. He did not turn aside to the right or to the left. And in the eighth year of his reign, while he was still young, he's 16 years old, he began to seek the God of his father, David. The God of David. So when he's 16, so if you're young, this is for you. You could seek God right now. And it started to make a difference in the kingdom. I liked it at Bible camp. Uh, Chris Kopp from Galena Bible Church was our, one of our speakers for leadership camp. And his encouragement to the youth was, you know, you, you aren't going to be the church when you grow up. You're the church right now. And so if you're young, this is partly for you. Would seek, seek the Lord from where you are right now. Uh, Josiah was 16 when he began to pursue the God of David. So, and then in the 12th year, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem of the high places. So he started to remove things uh, that, that his father had set in place and his grandfather. So activity started to happen in the temple again. They, they were bringing out the money which the Lord had brought into the house of the Lord. Hilkiah, the priest, found the book of the law of the Lord given by Moses. And he gave it to Shaphan and he said, I found a book. Then Shaphan goes back and he's given a report. Everything that was entrusted, we did. The supervisors did their job. Things are going well. And then he said, Hilkiah the priest gave me a book. So I don't know how long it had been since Judah was following the book of the law, since they had really centered on Scripture. They had lost God's word right where they left it in the temple. And I, I often, in fact, I frantically couldn't find my Bible for about a week, and I, I lost it right where I left it. And you and I are probably a lot like Judah. Uh, things can go really well. I mean, Manasseh had lots of wealth, but the, as a country, they were, they were really struggling, and, and they ended up in judgment. But God's word was found right where they left it, but when the king heard the words of the law, he tore his clothes. So they started to read from it, and he hears who, they're who God is and who they're supposed to be, and he realizes there's a real gap here, and we're in trouble. So he says, all right, uh, go, and we need to find out if we're going to be okay. So Hilkiah sends... There's a contingency that goes to Holda, the prophetess. And there's a, all right, tell us what are we gonna, what's going to happen to us. 
And so she spoke to them. Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, tell the man who sent you to me, behold, I am bringing evil on this place and on its inhabitants, even all the curses written in the book, which they have read in the presence of the king of Judah, because they have forsaken me, have burned incense to other gods, that they might provoke me to anger with all the works of their hands. Therefore, my wrath will be poured out on this place and it will not be quenched. But to the king of Judah, who sent you to inquire the Lord, thus you will say to him, thus says the Lord of God of Israel, regarding the words which you have heard, because your heart was tender and you humbled yourself before God when you heard his words against this place and against its inhabitants. And because you humbled yourself before me, tore your clothes and wept before me, I truly have heard you, declares the Lord. So we, we, they find the book of the law. Shaphan comes and tells him. They read it. Josiah hears it. Oh no, <laughs> there's a big gap. What are we going to do? And then he responds. He weeps. He, he uh, repents. He humbles himself. And perhaps that's a little bit from his grandfather who responds. And so today, um, I have a few principles for us, kind of the rest of the story. Where do we put ourselves when we hear a narrative? I, I kind of like to put myself in every seat. There's times when I can act a lot like Manasseh, where I can be really self-reliant. I think Tyler prayed that this morning, or he might have shared something about, you know, we can, when life goes well, uh, we can get really distant from God really quick. And it's not like they were still God's people. I believe that. There's nothing I can do that makes God leave me, but I lose his, his presence and his goodness and his blessing. I miss the good, good things that he'd want for my life. And so I could put myself in the seat of Manasseh. I could put myself in the seat of Josiah. So can you. Uh, you are meant to be, in some ways, king, the, the kingdom of God is anywhere where God reigns. And it can be in your own life, in your own families, in your businesses or workplaces. Wherever you have influence is the kingdom of God. It can be. And so you're meant to follow him and, and be a part of his revelation. Who you are helps reveal who God is. So here's some encouragements that I took from this story. Seek God from where you are. No one is too far. Manasseh, if there was going to be too far, he was pretty high on that scale. But how, how quickly did God respond to him? As soon as he confessed, God responded to him. No one is too far. I don't know what your story is. I don't know what you've done. I don't think you can be too bad for God to come and renew you right away. That is part of the good news of the gospel. No matter where you've been or who you are, I don't know everyone in our church and your stories. No one is too far from renewal, and it can come very quickly. Don't write off the rest of your story because the beginning of it. God is so for you. He wants you to live. Youth, you are the church right now. Now, we need to learn a lot and, and keep growing, but I, I think sometimes we want to say, all right, youth, you know, when you grow up, then you can be the church. Right now, seek God from where you are, and you will have an impact on the church and the world. Sixteen years old, Josiah sought the, the God of David. And then lastly, I was thinking about this, is Hezekiah, great king, Manasseh, 
not so good. Fathers and sons, mothers, daughters, grandfathers, grandsons, granddaughters. Um, the resumes don't count. <laughs> I had some incredible grandfathers. I loved my grandfathers. One of them, his, his wife died, my grandmother, who was actually one of the more painful people in my life. But my grandfather, uh, he thought, I'm going to die within a year. That's what happened with my parents. And a year later, he's still alive. He's like, okay, well, Lord, I can't walk, and I'm still alive. What do you want me to do? So he just started to pray, and he ended up praying for all kinds of people. And he started praying. It was like about nine to ten hours a day for ten years of his life. And he said, Mike, this is the hardest work I've ever done in all my life. But when I, I was such a blessing to watch him live out his days and finish well. When we were at Bible camp, we had uh, Klein Snodgrass come. He's one of the covenant theologians who's, I think he's retiring, but he's written part of the book of Ephesians, uh, study notes, translation, incredible scholar. And one of his admonitions to us is, if you're going to live the Christian life, I want you to do it for the next 60 years. Don't want you to do it for five or three. I want you to finish. And so our resumes don't matter. Today's the day to follow the Lord. You know, uh, I can have some great moments with God way back in my history. Awesome. But today is the day to follow him too. Uh, I don't get to coast just because of where I've been or if I've done something good. He wants me to be alive. It's a, it's a living faith, trust, active trust, being present with God. And so in a, if you have a godly grandparent or father or mother or aunt or uncle, it's probably good for you, but it makes no difference on, how, on what your choices are going to be. So the good news for those of us who've lived rough lives, the resumes don't matter. <laughs> The, bad, the good news is, for those of us who've, who've renewed and, and have been walking with the Lord, is today's the day to follow the Lord, just like everyone else. We're all in the same spot. Let's renew in that. The responsive heart will live an incredible story. One thing I'd encourage as we, we think about this, the rest of the story, there is tons of renewal from the Scripture in my life, my best days have been when I center on Scripture, when I let God speak to me from His Word. The best days of my life, the best seasons of my life have come that way. And if I'm responsive to how He's leading me, it's, it's the best story that I've ever had. I would say that that's true for you, too. If you want to see the best of life, that, that all that God could have for you, Respond to him, however he may be speaking to you. His word is really clear, so I start there. He went to great lengths to give us scripture. Even though he's vast beyond what's contained in here, this is the word of God. It's living and active. My, my perspective, I've read it, but it's still new. I go expectant that God would speak because I've changed in the way I'm coming to scripture I, can, I get something different every time I read it. Because God is alive. His word is alive. And he's active and he's speaking. So if you want to see the best of life, be responsive to God. I, I promise you that is where it's found. Grandparents rock is one of the other 
points, I want to really encourage those of you who are grandparents, and even if you don't have biological grandkids, uh, some of the people that have ministered most to our family adopted us as grandparents. And my kids, in Alaska, we don't have any family up here that's biological, but we can be family to one another. My two grandfathers had a huge impact on my life. So as you, some of you are in that season, man, what a great opportunity for you to live well and to invest in the next generation. Uh, so really want to encourage you. I, some, actually, one of my people I admire most goes to church here. She's a grandmother. She raises grandsons. She helps her family. She's incredibly tired, <laughs> incredibly noble woman. She has a huge impact on her grandsons. So, grandparents, would you continue the race? Would you finish the race like Klein Snodgrass said? Run it all the way to the end. We need finishers in the church. Would you adopt new grandkids if you don't have any up here and you're here in Alaska and you're stuck here? God carried you to exile to Alaska. Seek the the peace and prosperity to where he's carried you. Would you be grandparents for someone up here in Alaska? So there's the individual sense, and then there's the corporate sense that we get from this message today. So the rest of the story, we have this individual line of kings renewing, and we also have a renewal in Judah and in Israel. They existed to represent who God was. They didn't exist just to get wealthy. In fact, Jeremiah, um, he writes to Josiah's son. I don't have this in the, in the scripture, so just listen to it. So, Jeremiah twenty two eleven. For this is what the Lord says about Shalom, son of Josiah, who succeeded his father as king of Judah, but has gone from this place. So he was carried away into exile almost as soon as he became king. Uh, he will never return to this place. He will die. <laughs> so anyway, there's all this heavy stuff. And then he, he kind of talks to him pretty harshly and asks him questions. Does it make you a king to have more and more cedar? Did your father, did not your father have food and drink? And he did what was right and just. So again, that's that's the call of being a king, to do what is right and just. It's not to get wealthy and to be powerful, but it is to do what is right and just. So all went well with him. He defended the cause of the poor and needy, and so all went well. Is that not what it means to know me, declares the Lord. This is what a king is supposed to be like. So as we, as individuals and as a church, there's a, there's a call for re renewal in us. And our story, it could have gotten bumpy. It's okay. If your story, if you've been in a place where you're stuck, God can renew you. As a church, we want to walk in a new season of renewal. What's the future for our church? Let's renew. We're here. Let's live loud. Let's love loud. Being So individually, renew your first love. Uh, I love how in Revelation, talks to the church of Ephesus, they knew tons of stuff. They were smart. They were good. They were obedient. They were loyal, but they lost their first love. 
Let's renew that first love, love for God. The great commandment. Let's keep it really simple. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And then the second is love your neighbor as yourself. It's really simple stuff. Love God and love people. He wants us to represent him right now. We're his plan. Until Jesus returns, the church is meant to live out this life. It's, it's me as an individual, it's you as an individual, and it's us. So could we do some just reflection on, and the real temptation, I, I was going to put some other verses of Jesus' teaching. Read Jesus' teachings. <laughs> Go, when he was teaching his disciples, Sermon on the Mount, uh, Sermon on the Plain, whatever, in the different Gospels. Those are some great instructions. Very simple, very compelling. They meet me where I'm at, where I need to take a step. But one thing is we want to renew, we can see broken things. In our, and sometimes when we see something that's broken, we want to blame someone. I think Jesus was really strong against that. Don't judge or you're going to be judged. The measure you use will be used against you. And then he also talked about his neighbor, or when, don't look at the speck in your brother's eye when you have a log in your own eye. If I just did that, my house would be more peaceful. (laughs) I can pick at anything, you know, it's so easy to be critical and be a critic. Uh, Howard Hendricks, one of my favorite mentors who I maybe met him for a minute of my life, but I read and listened to many things that he wrote. He said, any jerk can be a critic, but it takes a real leader to point out something well. But the point is, to be the church and renew and be responsive, let's not point out what everyone else needs to do. Let's, this means for us to renew as a body, we need to look in the mirror. And we need to pull the log out of our own eye. We need to be responsive where God wants me to be responsive, where he wants you to be responsive. And as we do that, life happens. Love happens. When we notice people, I had a good short conversation with Pam Swanberg, a book she was reading, talked about noticing people. Uh, When we notice one another, not the critics notice, but we notice the value of who they are. And we appreciate who they are, and we bring love and life to them. We can start to see renewal flourish in our church. And when our church is flourishing, the community flourishes. I believe that. But it starts with you and I looking in the mirror, and where do I need to follow the Lord? So would you join me in that? I just think God wants to bring us into the rest of the story for a community covenant. Where are we headed So a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for good kings and queens. Thank you for people that love what is good and do what is right. God, thank you for responsive people 
no matter where they've been in life, that they respond to you when they say enough's enough. I'm ready for you, Lord. Let's do this. Let's walk together. God, I pray that for us this morning. I know in my own life, Lord, I need you more than I allow you in. And so today, would you help us respond to you as individuals? And God, I also pray um, that you'd help us respond as a church. We'd walk in a season of renewal. And it begins with me walking with you and loving my neighbor. Jesus, thank you for each person here. Thank you for our leadership. Thank you for the blessings that you've given us. Help us to be a part of your work that you desire for, this, for Alaska, for this day. In your name we pray, amen.